Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today we're going to find out about the healing powers of nature and learn that no matter how far off track you get, there's always a way back. Today's guest is Dr. Gregory Peel Smith, who spent much of his adult life homeless. Although he left school at age 14, he now holds a PhD in sociology, and he teaches in the School of Arts and Social Sciences at Southern Cross University in Coffs Harbor, Australia. He's author of the book, Out of the Forest, and he's a contributing author to the recently published Wilder Journeys by Laurie King and Miriam Lancewood, who've also been on this podcast. Dr. Gregory also has a fabulous TED Talk called Forest Hermit to Professor. It's never too late to change, and I highly recommend you check that out. After giving up on society at age 35, Dr. Peel retreated into the forest where he lived in near isolation for 10 years. Close to death, he decided it was time to emerge and give society another try. This is an amazing story and you are not going to want to miss it. Dr. Gregory, welcome to the campfire. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I, I feel like the first time you and I, well, first of all, I read your your uh, chapter in Wilder Journeys, was incredibly intrigued and inspired by that. Then you and I had a chance to talk and I've seen your TED Talk and I've read your book and I feel like I have so much of the story and I have so many more questions, but I also feel like I want to bring our listeners up to date on the story. So I wonder if we could just kind of start from the beginning and maybe you could kind of walk us through this incredible life journey that you've been on, because this isn't just about your time in the forest. It's about a, a whole life. It is, Scott. And I mean, you know, uh, life is an adventure. You know, it's the greatest adventure of all. Yeah, and sometimes in an adventure you uh, you don't get the start you always need. Yeah, you know, maybe you left something at home or left the back. Yeah, you know, lost your backpack or something, and it was a little bit like that for me, I guess. Um, you know, I was born into drug and alcohol abuse, uh, domestic violence, poverty um, in a in a rural town in in Australia, and um, uh, it was it was a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, to begin with, my mother gave me away at 10 uh, to an orphanage um, and things progressively got worse from there. The nuns were uh, the Sisters of Mercy. Um, I, I, you know, I, there wasn't much mercy within the Sisters. You know, it, was a, it was a really tough journey, which made me very angry as a young, as a young person. And, of course, young people are very difficult to deal with. Uh, anger has consequence, um, and as a long-term result of that, I ended up in uh, the state punitive care system as a as a young uh, delinquent, I guess, um, mainly because I wouldn't conform. I just mm -hmm. couldn't conform to society, and um, you know I was in there until I was nineteen, and you know uh, some of the things they taught me in that place was. Um, 
how to be by myself in a concrete cell and occupy myself for hours on end, uh, how to march, how to stand at attention for hours. Uh, what they didn't teach me was how to communicate, how to have self-respect, how to, how to care for other people. Mm. So they were all gaps in my life that, that were missing. And at the age of 17, because I suffered post-traumatic stress or a lot of trauma, um, I was diagnosed as a sociopath, mm. um, which was kind of exciting at the time for me because um, that diagnosis gave me a reason to be the way I was. You know, I was, mm. I was de uh, detached from yeah. emotion, um, as, as people experiencing trauma are. It's just, you know, you're, you're stunned, you're numb. Um, so with that, at the age of 19, I was um, really, you know, let go into society and I was told to, to survive and have a good life. The problem was I, I had no life skills, absolutely. I didn't know how to go and find a place to live. I didn't know how to find a job. I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't know how to talk to people. Um, all those very basic skills we tend to take for granted as, we, as we're growing up. I set off on a, on a journey, and that journey was devastation and destruction. Um, I was angry. Um, I drank alcohol, used drugs to kill the pain. Um, I got into a lot of trouble. with, um, But I was always afraid of going back to jail, although I did end up in, in prison a couple of times. Mm. Um, always, you know, I, I valued my freedom. Sketchy as that freedom was, but um, at the you know at the age of thirty five, I realised that you know this constant conflict with society was uh, was a serious issue. You know, one of us was going to get hurt sooner or later, and the chances are it was going to be me. Mm. So, you know, I, I I decided to remove myself from society, and I went and lived in a forest for about ten years. Yeah. And uh, that was an interesting adventure in itself. You know, I had lots of really exciting lessons and um, understandings in that forest. You know, the, the first 12 months were really good. The problem with that is that when I went into the forest, I took myself with me. <laughs> yeah. And that was a serious issue because all the trauma, all the pain of the past came in there with me mm -hmm. and you know after after a little while i i still i had to learn how to kill that pain so i could function so you know i was brewing very bad beer alcohol in the in the forest and drinking that which made me very sick uh, i was growing marijuana in the forest and eating that washing it down with with beer and uh, you know i did that for for many 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 years and towards the end of my journey, um, I was frequented by lots of different entities, including aliens mm -hmm. who have philosophical discussions with me. Um, you know, we would, we would broach um, morality, uh, ethics, um, and, a, and, a, and a, these conversations were always centred around... 
um, trying to understand what happened to me. Now, why did I hate uh, society so much? Why did I, why was I unable to fit in with people? But the interesting thing about that was, um, although I didn't know it at the time, these were all skills or, or lessons that I was learning in that forest, and that's the healing power of that of that sickness, the healing power of that beautiful place. Now, um, all those lessons I learned in there would come into play a little bit later in my life. But to get there, I was challenged, and the, and you know the aliens actually challenged me challenge my own uh, values and my own system because what they said is you say you don't want to hurt anyone else again you never want to hurt anyone again you know, mm -hmm. you, you say that you know you, you've given up you just want to die in the forest and be left alone and that's true that's all I wanted and their argument was if you do that you know you have family still functioning out in the in in the broader society and although i'd not um, engaged with them for many many years decades they would never have closure you would die in the forest nobody would ever find your body you know and they would have this open-ended um the similar to lots of missing persons you could just as easily go into a city die in the gutters, your body's found, and at least everybody would have closure. That's where you are, yeah. Yeah, that is a very difficult thing to argue, and I didn't have an argument for that. So, you know, basically I lost, and so I was compelled um, by the ethics of my value of self, I was compelled to pack up my things and go and give society another chance. Now, if you think about those words... Go and give society another chance. The arrogance of me. It wasn't me. It was society. I packed up my things. I left the forest. And um, the day I left the forest, I actually got hit by a car, mm -hmm. uh, which, was a, which was a good thing because that put me in hospital and that gave me a centering place somewhere wow. to begin. So I... Uh, you know, and they treated me. I mean, I was 41 kilos. I'd lost most of my teeth. Um, I had scurvy. I was a very sick individual. That gave me a, a place to sort of put my get, get a little bit of grounding. It didn't deal with my alcohol or drug addiction, um, but it did provide me with some government um, income, a bit of social welfare, mm -hmm. uh, which helped me a lot. Um, and of course, what does a what does a good uh, committed alcoholic, drug addict, homeless do with a little bit of extra money? Go and buy, buy more drugs and alcohol, which I did. Yeah, you know, when I was released, I, the first thing I did is go and buy. A long story short, I ended up sitting on a park bench at the back of uh, just near the Queensland New South Wales border, yeah, on the Tweed Tweed River there, and I had an epiphany. And basically that epiphany was that I realised, uh, I talk about it in depth in, in the book yep. uh, and in the new book as well. I realised that I was the centre, I was the creator of all my problems. You know, and that's a, that's, a, 
an incredible realization for oneself to realize that they were the cause of all their the, their pain, their misery, all the problems in their life they'd created themselves. You know, so uh, the end result of that is I made a decision not to be the person that I was sitting on that park bench that day. I was 45 years old, uneducated, unemployable, and a very sick individual, very lonely, um, and I had no possessions in the world. Right. So I got up, I walked away from that park bench, and I left that backpack sitting there. And um, I've never had another drink of alcohol. I've never had a drug, not even a cigarette since then. I have had coffee um, and a, the occasional can of Red Bull um, when needed. But apart from that, um, you know, I take care of myself today. And that was just like that on that park bench. I'm the creator of my own problems, and that was it. That's it. Yep, that's that realization. I mean, it's a, um, the story goes a little bit deeper, but that's the essence. Hey, everyone, it's Scott here. Did you know that the members of my real estate team, W Realty Group, are listening to their own voices that call to adventure by setting big goals? Some of those goals include planning trips to Bali and the Kingdom of Bhutan, buying investment homes and running the Chicago Marathon. At W Realty Group, we support and encourage these big goals and want to help turn them into reality. We're currently looking to add new members to the team. If you know a great real estate agent in the Charlotte, North Carolina area that would benefit from being part of our team, please send a text, an email, or give me a call. And know that when you support W Realty Group, you're also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. Well, it's a real joy to be able to sit here and talk to you. I mean, you just glossed through um, what you go into great detail in the book, in, in Out of the Forest. And I know because, you know, we're short on time. And also, you know, I think people need to get a copy of this book because it's incredible. And they need to be able to read the whole thing. It's hard. It's, it's a hard book to get through. You've, you've had a, a really hard story and I'm, I'm sitting here like kind of with a half smile on my face, feeling like warm and joyous because I know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recommend um, uh, you know, a couple of Valium for the first few chapters and then a nice glass of red wine after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have so many questions, but I do feel like I kind of want to, you know, bring the listener to the end of the story and then we can kind of go back and talk about some of it. So what, so what happens next? Yeah. Once I came out of the forest and I started to look at who I was, try to change who I was, um, I realized I had no life skills and I had no vocational ability or skills to fit into society. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go and learn how to do this, you know, because I didn't trust myself anyway. I, my best thinking got me sitting on a park bench, uh, you know, as a very sick human being. That's my best thinking, you know, so I couldn't trust my thinking anymore. Uh, so I decided to go and learn a whole lot of skills. The, the end result is I ended up in university and that's not something I'd planned for. It's just that one of the decisions I made was to stop interfering with my life and allow my life to just flow. And my pathways, uh, my trails, my tracks took me into university 
uh, studying sociology and I studied so I chose sociology because I wanted to understand why I hated society so much mm-hmm. but what I learned through studying sociology was that I didn't hate society I just never learned I didn't have the life skills to fit in and the interesting thing about people is if you can't communicate with people or if you're not like people um, they don't associate with you they don't they'll, they'll throw you out to the side yeah so you know, I was a, I was a trauma um, individual, the very angry, very resentful, that didn't, you know, very impatient and intolerant, intolerant, that treated people badly. So there was no place for me. But once I started to change all that, I found that I was actually not such a bad bloke after all. <laughs> You know, and I actually had some really good skills and some assets within myself. I just had to develop them. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I got to the end of my undergrad degree and then I got a phone call from one of my lecturers asking me if I'd like, like a job marking papers and doing a bit of tuition. And the irony of that didn't escape me because I went, I started learning because I couldn't get a job. You know, I applied for hundreds of jobs and I couldn't even get a job cleaning toilets and all of a sudden here's someone ringing him up if I asking me if I'd like a job <laughs> you know and I'm thinking wow this is good you know this How is the really tables good. have turned yeah yeah and it's been like that ever since yeah I mean there was a condition to to that as well and that was that I continued to study because I did enjoy learning that's where I discovered life is an adventure you know um, and I mean, there's for me, like I became so familiar with the forest, living in the forest. Uh, I understood the trail, the trails. I learned to track. I could read sign. You know, I could light a could light a fire in a in a um, tropical storm and keep it going. You know, I, I learned all these skills. But for me, the real jungle was society. Mm. That's where the real danger started to come in for me yep well, yeah you know, i could i could cope with the taipans and the you know um, scorpions and the spiders and everything else in the forest they weren't a problem but when it came to people they were a problem so for me it's it's an inverse um universe uh you know the society is the adventure for me yeah well, I mean, for so many people, the forest becomes this this place of peace, and not and not not that maybe it was a, a you know a heaven and a place of peace for you, but there definitely was healing that happened there. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get into that. Yeah, sometimes sometimes that process of healing has to commence with getting sick for getting sicker first. You have to do the operation. You have to go through a whole lot of pain. Uh, learning and understanding before the healing can begin. Mm. So what what were what were some of the lessons as we're talking about the forest that that the forest itself, that nature helped you with? I think the the biggest lesson was that there is peace. There are places in this world where people can't hurt you. There is safety. There's places that are safety. There's places that are harmony. There's beautiful music in a forest. 
Hmm. You know, to wake up in the morning and hear the wind, you know, traveling through the, the canopy sounds very similar to the ocean. And you can just sit there and listen to that. And uh, it's one of the great things I learned in the, in the forest was how to meditate. Just how to be, how to shut my mind down and just be. Can you talk a little bit about that? When you say you learned how to meditate, were you self-taught? Did the forest teach you? The forest taught me. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. And it's an amazing journey because when, you know, like when your mind is so active constantly, you know, uh, day after day, night after night, you can't sleep of a night because your mind's so active, you know, and there's all this disaster happening in your in your world. You know, and it's always, you know, putting fires out or panicking or anxiety, depression, all these things. And then all of a sudden, one day you, or, or one morning you're laying there and you hear a noise and you wonder what that noise is. <laughs> it's like it, there's, there's a moment of magic and your mind shuts down to focus in on what that noise is. Mm -hmm. For me... There was a screeching of a, of, of a tree, but I, could, I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't know what that noise was, and it was a really loud screeching noise. And my whole mind shut down. You know, there was a little bit of fear, yeah. or probably more than a little bit of fear inside of me. You know, I'm thinking, what is that? What is that? And I'm focused entirely on that sound. And long story short, it took me a long time to, to find out what that sound was. But what it was is two big trees rubbing together in the wind. But what I learned in those moments was that I could have a still mind. And I enjoyed listening to the forest. Yeah. The forest, the forest is a symphony. There's so many, so many instruments in the forest. It's, it's, it, it's just an incredible um orchestra well i so i have to share with you I, I hadn't told you this before this episode but we you and i spoke i don't know three or four weeks ago i wanted a chance to read the book you know very very different context but i just you know i realized i've listened to you talk and i've listened to miriam lancewood and Lori king and some of the other folks in wilder journeys and and other friends that i've had and i realized like I've never, I'm an outdoors person and I love it, but I've never spent time in the woods completely by myself. So in the time that we last spoke and now I went out and I did a two day backpacking trip completely by myself at, you know, in the woods and I spent two nights out there and like, I can completely register with everything that you're saying because like the first night, you know, these sounds, I mean, like twigs fall from trees, they hit the leaves and you're like, oh my gosh, what's that? What kind of animal? And it's just like, you're so alert, you're so aware. But then to your point, like I can, I, you know, I didn't get to that point, but I can see where that would become like a meditative thing because it's like your mind is creating these stories about what's happening around you, but ultimately you're safe. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's it. Um, I find it interesting that you, you, you did that. And I mean, because it's such a, a stark contrast when you're there by yourself as opposed to having another person with you or even a radio or something, you know, your, your phone even. It, it is. It, it very much is. And I mean, to your point, I think like when you're out there by yourself, like 
it's just you and the forest. That's it. And I, one thing like for me, one thing I noticed was that I felt like um, for like the first day, I kind of felt like the forest was out to get me. And like <laughs> what you said, you said something along the lines of like realizing that like, you know, it, society was the problem. And it was like, you know, you were, you were making yourself the center of it. And I was kind of doing that in the forest. I'm like yeah. looking around thinking that there's, you know, danger in the forest that wants to get me. But by the second night, I realized like, you know, I'm part of the forest. Like we're all supposed to be here. And your mind does kind of calm. Yeah. Um, with, I mean, you learn your abilities. You, you develop your own skills and ability within the forest. And, yeah, when the, uh, you reach a point where you know that you fit in, you're a part of that sense of belonging. I, I yeah, uh, I can fit into that forest. Yeah, um, I can do that in society now, but that wasn't a natural thing for me to do. I had to learn how to do that, and that comes down to learning those basic skills. Yeah. You know, those communications, being okay, being feeling safe. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. Like you learn that skill in a very peaceful and silent place so that you can then go to the place where it's noisy and crowded and distractions and, you know, be able to tap into what you learned in the forest. It makes complete sense. I'm really, I'm really curious. Um, maybe we'll come back to the forest, but you know, you did have a very difficult childhood and a very difficult adolescence and then, and then you studied it. Um, sociology and you kind of studied this and I'm and I'm curious because like the last time that we spoke you know I think when you were going through what you were going through um, understanding of trauma wasn't really a thing then that was something that you mentioned and then, so I'm just kind of curious like now that you've studied it and as you kind of look back like do you feel like things have changed do you feel like that sort of is this something we still need to be aware of like is is society getting better? I think parts of society are getting better, but I think I'll, uh, there are other parts of society that are regressing and actually putting up barriers and resistance to the idea that you know, a, a damaged childhood can actually impact adulthood. So, and I think there's resistance around that for some, but for others, look, for me, understanding um, my mother, my father was really important, uh, but more important than understanding them was to understand society in the era that they were trying to do what they were doing. Because my mother lived in a very abusive situation, but there were no... Um, avenues for her to escape. You know, she was trapped in this um, uh, this uh, marriage, this this family, this situation, violence, and and there were no laws at the time to protect her. There were no domestic violence laws. There was no, you know, um, in those days, uh, the the authorities had no power over that sort of violence. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, you know, I mean, as silly as it sounds, um, you know, the family belonged to the male. Um, today we see that very differently. Well, some of us see that very differently. I still think there's a lot of people that view the family situation like that. 
uh, uh, which is kind of sad, but understanding trauma as well, you know, the impact of, of um, trauma and what can create trauma within a situation. What is abuse? Yeah. Because um, yeah. sometimes I think, sometimes I think just because we're talking in a certain way, we're not being abusive. But yeah, that's not necessarily true either. Yeah, I mean, it had to be really, really hard for you. I mean, you know, it's apparent in the book. Um, but I think something that I noticed, you know, and I'm I'm guessing it was intentional, but like even just you know, as a small child, like there was this longing and this like knowing that you were a good kid, you were a good boy, you were a good teenager, you were a good man and you kept trying, you know, and sometimes you'd go backwards. But I'm like, I'm curious, like this podcast is about listening to this voice inside that calls us to adventure. But I feel like for you, there was like, there was something inside you that kept, kept going. I used to think it was stubbornness. Today I understand it as tenacity. Tenacity. But at the point of my epiphany, and I'll just go back there just for a moment. Yeah. At that point, I was presented with an opportunity that not everybody is presented with, and I feel very privileged and I have a lot of gratitude around that moment because I was given a blank canvas to create a person that I wanted to be. And in that moment, I said, my best thinking got me there. So how was I going to create this person that I wanted to be without trusting my thinking or my processes? You know, so, and I had no role models. I didn't really, you know, well, I had lots of role models, but they weren't healthy role mm -hmm. models, that's for sure. And, you know, my, uh, the evidence was that every time I, did what I wanted to do, I ended up in trouble. So I had to stop doing what I wanted to do and start looking at what I needed to do. And, you know, what I needed to do was change who I was. So my very first role model was a mythical knight from, you know, from from ancient English times. And I, I chose, you know, I, cho I looked at that and I chose that mainly because of my heritage, I guess. Um, but, you know, I had this idea that knights were supposed to be, you know, um, you know, saving the maiden and looking after the community, a very kind and gentle person. Not that, uh, not that I was a kind and gentle person at the time. And I, I guess I still have my moments as well. But, but being honest with myself uh, and looking inside myself and thinking, what do I really want to be? How do I want to? You know, I don't want to be angry. You know, um, one thing I did learn is that if I was always angry, resentful, and sort of rejecting society, I would be lonely. But uh, if I'm smiling and I'm telling funny stories and people are liking me, people tend to gravitate towards me. That can be dangerous, so I had to learn discernment as well. Mm. You know, so there's all these lessons and one lesson rolled into another lesson. And so it's one adventure after another. Before one adventure finished, the next adventure had already begun. Yeah. yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's what I mean when I say 
I had to stop interfering with my life. You know, I just had to let these unfold one after the other. So is that tenacity, like, has that always been with you? Is it still with you today? Uh, some would say yes. <laughs> some would argue yes. Um, and, of course, for me, I, uh, my response to that is you have to ask those people around me. Well, okay, so I wonder if we could go to the aliens in the in the forest. So you're malnourished, you know, you're drinking your home brew, you've got a lot of things going on, and um, these aliens come to you. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that if it's a vision or what. But I, you know, I can't. I couldn't help but think when you talked about those discussions that you were having, like again coming back to this voice inside that calls us to adventure. I wonder if that encounter with these aliens was some sort of a manifestation of this voice inside that was calling you to adventure. I, 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 by that time, I was, I was suffering very severe psychosis and paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no argument there. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is that those moments and those entities were as real as any person that comes into my life today mm. and any conversation that I have today. They would... They manifested as real. Yeah, perhaps you're right there. You know, they're a reflection. You know, in in a way, um, I was having that conversation with myself, perhaps. Yeah, but I guess in essence, if that is accurate, then what I was doing is exploring my inner self and finding out what sort of a person really lived inside of me, because I. Leading up to that, I'd had lots of, I mean, lots of time to reflect on my childhood, you know, the, the damage that was caused. Why did this happen? Why was I locked in this uh, cupboard? Why was I thrashed to within an inch of my life for this, you know? Uh, why was I in a concrete cell being um, bashed at the age of 15 by, a, by police on it, you know, all these things, you know, and... I guess after being by myself for so long, I was looking for the truth of that. So stripping down all those, you know, what was my, what was my part in it? What was their part in it? You know, uh, all these issues, all these things that I was trying. But the interesting thing was, by that point, I'd got past all that anger and rage. In terms of being able to look at myself. So what the forest had done there, see, I, I was presented with a unique gift. We think of people that have different mental illnesses and um, you know, mental health issues today. And a lot of people don't have the opportunity um, through no fault of their own to actually come to terms or have these dealt with especially in our capitalist consumer society, you know, user-pay system. If you haven't got the money, you don't get healed. It's that simple. Um, and time, you know, uh, our society commodifies the concept of time. So I charge you for the time that I'm going to share with you. That makes things very expensive. Mm. What I was able to do was go into a forest for 10 years provide all that time to focus on myself, to heal myself in a forest 
where I was safe. Not everybody can do that. Well, actually brings me to another question that I have because yeah, I agree with you. Not everybody can or, or would, um, but part of the hero's journey and part of like listening to the voice inside that calls us to adventure is having the courage to actually take the next step. And you did that. And so I'm really curious to hear about, about your perspective on courage and in particular, your courage to, to, to step out of the forest and re-enter society. Stepping out of the forest, yeah, that was pretty scary, but I, I had no choice. And this, this sort of reflects this whole conversation. It's about the values, morals, the ethics of the situation. I lost an argument. <laughs> and, and the terms and conditions of that argument is if I lost, you know, I had to go and give society another chance. And there's th that arrogance again now was, yeah. um, you know, I'm not going to bend my knee and say it was my fault at that time. <laughs> but I wouldn't give society another chance. Okay, well, you know. But I was full of fear. I was dread. It was just dread. But I had no choice. I, you know, I say today that there are two things that I truly own. Yeah. And one is my name and the other is my word. Mm. They're the only two things that I truly own. Everything else can be taken away from me, but they can't. So I, even at that moment, and I didn't realise it at the time, I was being true to my word. I lost the argument, you know, I could have said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but that wouldn't, that, the ethics of that would have been wrong for me. So I had to pack up from that place that I cared so much about and looked after me for so long, even though I, I, I became quite ill, and I had to walk yeah. out. Yeah. That was a very big thing for me. And then to be hit by a car, that's a, you know, how, how powerful is that? Yes, and but I also see the gift that that, that was for you, and you mentioned that. Yeah, um, so I'm really I, I'm really curious because you know again like coming back to this podcast, we talk a lot about like nature and the wild and adventure and how these things are very very healing. And and you had this experience in the forest, and you've you know you've you've come out of the forest and you've entered back into society, and you've you know you're living this incredibly transformative life and you're doing these great things. I'm really curious for you what your view of nature is now and if you ever feel yourself being called back to nature for that sort of sense of peace or are you done with it? That's it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not <laughs> done with it. No, 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 no. Um, where I live, I, I live here with my fiance um, and um I have two stepsons, two beautiful stepsons, and um, and a one-year-old child. Yeah, you do. And nature comes to me here. We live on the outskirts of a of a city. Yeah. yeah? And it's on it's on some on some acreage. Yeah. Uh, and it's got beautiful it's surrounded by beautiful trees. You know, and nature comes here. Nature comes to me. All the different birds, crimson rosellas. You know, there's this menagerie of wildlife comes in. And, we, you know, on occasions, we haven't done it for a little while, but on occasions we go for a walk. There's mm -hmm. walks, there's beautiful waterfalls, there's beautiful places to go. I will say that 
I don't go and camp overnight that yep. much anymore. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done quite a bit of camping in my life, so. But I do. Lo I love. I, I absolutely love to go out for a walk and do things in nature. And when I do, it takes me a nanosecond to engage with that energy that the forest generates. I love that so much. So there was this healing that happened, the epiphany on the park bench. Um, you went on to study, but not only just, just to study to, to get a degree, you go on and you get a PhD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, tenacious. Yeah. I mean, can we just talk about this, the transformation that took place from that park bench to the man that's sitting here on this call with me today? Uh, well, it's a metamorphosis. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it happened quite rapidly. That PhD uh, changed my life completely. Um, I mean, the fact that I'm doing this podcast <laughs> is testament to that. I mean, I, you know, today there's, there's a new conversation, a new uh, happening in broader society, and that is the value of lived experience and lived expertise in policy making. Uh, in um, understanding um, and uh, mental health issues and a whole lot of other things. I'm very fortunate um, because I get to consult with, um, with governments, with uh, not-for-profits and other organisations. I'm the director on a, on a couple of different organisations. I'm the patron of a whole lot of homeless places um, and homeless services. Um, so, you know, from sitting in the forest, sort of meditating day in, day out, uh, I have a very busy life today. I have a very beautiful family. You know, I have the most amazing partner. Um, yeah, and um, I mean, I have the gifts that most of us look for in life. They've all come to fruition. Yeah, all I've had to do was not interfere with my life and allow it to happen. Yeah. Are you, are you able to, well, I guess, could you talk just a little bit about the work that you're doing and how it sort of ties back to this whole life's journey that you've had? I am a researcher. I, I, I'm, I did quite a lot of research. Um, my research is into how we can better um, work with vulnerable people in our society. Most of my work revolves around uh, improving or developing uh, understandings or trying to convey my understanding of, of homelessness to the authorities, to people in, you know, in key positions. I think that there's a transition because many of us, and I think most of us know this, that most of us are only one or two paychecks away from not having a place to live. And that's just a simple reality of the world we live in. But once we don't have a place to live in, there's a very small window of opportunity, you know, six weeks maybe, where if we can intervene and find a place for somebody, um, it's, it's not as... After six weeks, people tend to start to enter survival mode and it becomes much more difficult to, to work with them. After about a year, they're deep in survival mode. They've lost a lot of their living skills in terms of being able to sustain themselves. And uh, that, that becomes almost impossible. 
One of the things to understand here is, and, and I, ha you know, I have the evidence to back this up as well, a homeless person actually costs society about four times as much per year as what a, a person with a good home with mental illness will cost. So it's much more beneficial to our communities, to our societies, to have people healthy and living a comfortable life. They will contribute through their work, through their tax, through their well-being, um, as opposed to you know, making these constant withdrawals and demands yeah, on society. It makes, makes total sense. And then there's a, there's a whole other, other window to look into there with the shame and the stigma and what that can do and the cost of that. Well, I, I love, I mean, your story is incredibly, incredibly inspiring. And I mean, like now seeing the work that you're doing, like, does it almost make sense how your whole story has come together? Like, it's almost like you, I mean, you kind of had to go through what you went through to now be able to give what you're giving to society now to help. I, I couldn't have the conversations I, I'm having today if I didn't have the experience that I've had. Yeah. And you know, I have an official, you know, I have a formal education, uh, quite a quite a high level education. Yeah. But my real education was my lived experience in before I entered that formal education. Yeah. You know, as I as I drive that um, you know, that station wagon or what the pickup of yeah along the highway of life and i look in that rear vision mirror and all i see in there is gold treasure yeah my whole past is just a whole lot of treasure and value uh and i can draw on that at any moment yeah and so i i've heard you talk about um this idea that you know no matter how far you get off track there's still a way back absolutely I think, I think that's just such like i wonder if you could just you know speak to the listeners about that really quickly i was pretty much off track i mean i was almost you know um in an early grave you know and i've i've done the mental health trips i've done all the you know there is you know we understand uh, neuroplasticity today we understand that if a person is willing and um honest enough to understand themselves new pathways of thinking can be created. There is, you know, we can do that. One of the keys to this is a smile. It's that simple, yeah? If we are communicating with someone, if we can just get that little glimpse of a glinter in the eye or a smile, that's a pathway to a better life. That's, that's something, it's only a very fine thread but it's something we can build on. I love that so much. Dr. Gregory, is there anything that you would really hope for people to take away from this podcast episode? Yeah, sure. Look, I think the most important thing is you can always improve who you are. And one of the best ways to improve who you are is care about other people. Look at other people um, without judgment. It's magic. Dr. Gregory, I have to, you know, every, every podcast guest that I have on here, I, I've got a couple questions that I always ask everybody. And I'm going to ask you too, because you've lived this incredibly 
inspiring life. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I think you give people hope. And I know that at some point, the people in Hollywood are going to hear your story and they're going to want to make a movie about you. And, <laughs> and, and when they do, I want to know who the actor is going to be that's going to play you in your movie. Uh, well, that's, that's a big question. Uh, there's a lot to choose from as well. I think Keanu Reeves. Yes! Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I love it. Perfect choice. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, yeah, he works with homeless people. He always yeah. donates some of his um, yeah, his um, income to, to homeless. He does a lot of work in that, in that that's, sector. That's amazing. I love him. Um, and what is your movie going to be called? Uh, that's that's challenging. It could be um, uh, all but for the grace of God. All but for the grace of God, starring Keanu Reeves. This is I'm going to watch that movie. I've already read your book. I've already watched your TED talk. I'm going to go see that movie too. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, um, I've just finished another book. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. do you want to tell us about it? Uh, well, the first book's the what. This is what happened. Uh, the next book is the how. How did I transform myself from uh, walking out of the forest into who I am today? Oh. Wow. When's that going to be coming out, Dr. Gregory? Uh, the 22nd of August. Okay. So next week. Next week. Great. All right. Perfect. Well, I will definitely be getting a copy. And for listeners, I highly recommend uh, both of the other books that you can get. Dr. Gregory P. Smith's book, Out of the Forest and The uh, Wilder Journeys by Miriam Lancewood and Laurie King. How did you meet Miriam and Laurie, by the way? Uh, Miriam, I met at Byron Bay, um, Byron Bay Writers Festival in, I think it was um, cool. 2018. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah we, did a, we did a panel together. Awesome. So. Yeah, uh, they're amazing. If people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably um, Google. Dr. Gregory P. Smith. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for inspiring me to get out and do a couple of days in the woods and, and uh, inspiring me with your story and for sharing your time with me tonight. And for those listeners, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope Dr. Gregory's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. Dr. Gregory, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs>